sacred song Heaven's mercy seek Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Holy, holy is He Sing a new song And it 
Well, good evening, church. Good evening. All right. If you want to want to turn with me and be with me in Scripture, I'm going to be in in First Corinthians, in the first chapter. <clears throat> I was actually going to preach uh, out of Second Corinthians, but um, uh, Monday morning I was sitting with uh, with Damon and Brother Jim, <clears throat> and I said I'm going to be uh, preaching on uh, on division and conflict in the church. And they said, oh yeah, out of uh, 1 Corinthians 1. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, no, 2 Corinthians 1. But anyway, and so I went and saw what they were talking about and actually went better. Uh, it went with my uh, message better than what I was looking at. And so I actually did some changing uh, to my scripture. But it all, it all turned out. I actually got to uh, look at a a process that Paul has, and I got to look at it, and I got to learn about how Paul handles problems, uh, how uh, effective his problem handling was too, and I actually named it. Uh, I told Mallory, she asked me what I was going to preach over, and she, I said, I'm going to preach over the PCUP. And she looked at me, and I was like, you don't know what it is. I made it up last night. But anyway, it's what I come up with, it's Paul's church uniting process. And that's what I, uh, I come up with, and I saw a process that Paul used uh, with the Corinthians, and I thought it was neat, and so I, uh, I, I looked at it, and I was like, well, this is, uh, what Paul does is he sees the problem, he seizes the problem, he addresses the problem, and then he allows God to fix the problem. And so we're going to look at, at the Corinthians and the problem that they had in their church and how Paul handled that problem. Uh, starting in verse 10, it says, I uh, appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that you be, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united and in the same mind and the same judgment. For it <clears throat> has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers, that I mean... Uh, what I mean is that each of you say, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you, except for, excuse me if I destroy these names, Crisp, I don't know, and Gaius, so that no one may say to you, 
uh, you were baptized in my name. I did baptize the household of uh, Stephanus. Uh, be, <clears throat> beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Uh, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not that the word uh, of eloquent, not with the words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be equipped with its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are uh, uh, perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will dis." Uh, and the discernment of the discerning, I will wroth. Whether it is, whether is the one, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish out of the wisdom of the world? I'm gonna stop right there. But we see um, uh, Paul uh, through this scripture. Well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna break down uh, this passage, and we're gonna see how Paul addresses each one. But I want to first start. By asking you, has anyone ever been hurt? No one? That's pretty good. Alright. Has anyone ever been wronged? Has anyone ever felt like they had the right to be mad? You can learn a lot about a person's character by the way they handle uh, different situations. And we get to see about Paul's uh, character here as we get to see him handle a uh, handle a problem but you can see a lot through what he does and what different people do you can see a lot about character as, lo as some of you know and you're, as you're about to find out I work at First National Bank and you can find out a lot about the person by the way they handle a problem that they have or had with their account there's either the person who comes in the very calmly walk over to you and say, I have a problem with my account, and they show you their records, and we compare them to our records, and we very calmly figure out the problem. But then there's also the person who kicks the front door open, and they have their checkbook like this, and their other hands like this, and everyone in the bank knows what their problem is before they make it to my desk. You can find out a lot, and I have learned in a little time that you can figure out a bunch about a person's character just through the way they handle a problem. The world teaches us that we, are, uh, that we should have our way always, and if we don't have our way, we ought to be mad about it. The world teaches that anger and violence gets things done out of our hair and where we don't have to worry about them anymore. But that's where the Word of God comes in. You get a great picture of what Paul does, by hand, of what Paul is, by the way he handles this problem. First thing he says in, first ten, in verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or in the King James, it says, I beseech you, brethren. That meaning he was pleading with them. He had something important he wanted to talk to them about, and he automatically appeals it to the highest court, <coughs> Jesus Christ. We see him calling the problem up out of the dark, out of the muck, out of the, out of the sinful relation that it, it, it uh, came into, it was dwelling in, and he puts it in full light of the kingdom of God. We see that Paul <coughs> deals with problems like this. He never stoops down uh, to the level where the problem oriented. He always brings that problem up out of the table so we can look at it. and we can, He brings it up to Christ's perspective. He wants it all out. 
So he pleads with them in the name of Christ. And we very quickly see uh, what kind of serious problem Paul spotted. He goes on, that all of you agree and there be no division among you, but you be united in the same mind and same judgment. Paul addresses the problem in Corinth that Corinth is struggling with. We see that division has plagued this church. And Paul saw here that division, uh, that division in a congregation is the quickest way to kill a thriving church because people are quick to do a few things. People are quick to get hurt. People are quick to take sides. People are quick to say, I'm right and they're wrong. People are very quick to become defensive. In fact, he explains in the verses continuing. In verse 11 it says, For it has been reported to me by, I believe it's Chloe, uh, Chloe's people, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers, that I may, <coughs> what I mean is, that each of you say, I follow a Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. This picture displays over, this picture is displayed over and over and over again in churches all over the world as we look at. This church looked from the outside just like a regular church. But from the inside, their hearts were divided. They were segregated um, uh, but in selfishness. These people had the same problem, you're going to smile, that every Baptist church has had since the beginning of Baptist churches. People take sides. That is not what the church is called to be. It is called to be one. But, you know, we're quick to say if things aren't my way, then I'm going to sit over here and pout. Or if things aren't my way, I'm going to leave. Or if things don't go my way, I'm going to withhold my tithe. Or if things aren't my way, then I'm no, I'm no longer going to take part of this program. We are very... I have, just in the short time that I have been in ministry, I have found out that people are quick to overreact and quick to take problems into their own hands. <clears throat> when we come into the church, oftentimes we see people <clears throat> who have the me-mind perspective. If it's not, it's, it, they come in looking for their entertainment, their pleasure, their satisfaction. It's me, me, me. All they think about, it's on their brain. But if you think about it, that's all we're exposed to as soon as we exit these walls. Everything in our world consists of me and how I can satisfy me or how I can come up with something that's better for me. Or I, <clears throat> iPhone, it's about me. It's about number one. But it's the most dangerous, being, being wrapped up in me is the most dangerous place to be while in the church. That's because Scripture repeatedly tells us over and over and over again to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross. You would think, looking at that Scripture, pastors use it uh, every day, <clears throat> uh, preaching as in, going out and picking up your cross and, and living for Christ outside of these walls. But you would never think that you have to... It would be a hard thing to live for Christ inside the church. But in fact, inside the church, most of the time is one of the hardest places 
because we're, we can be so divided. And so we can be so uh, <clears throat> side-oriented. Oftentimes, church is the place where people are hurt uh, or more relationships are broken than bonded. This is supposed to be our, our, our lighthouse. This is supposed to be our safe room. This is supposed to be our, our home. And oftentimes, we can shove someone away because we're willing to take a side or a stand on something that is not scriptural, that is not biblical. And that's when we have the me mindset. But when we're there, um, uh, well, hold on, uh, a story time. I was in a... Uh, I was working in a ministry. We were we were having a problem in a ministry, and uh, and I, I I told the group I said, all right, listen, go and uh, examine yourself before we make any rash decisions. Before anybody says anything that's hurtful, um, uh, let's go examine ourselves. Let's pray about it. Let's read scripture. Let's search about what God has for us and what uh, scripture. Let's line our lives up and line our what we're our feelings up with scripture right here. Let's see who's right. And uh, the first thing that bombarded me as soon as I said that was, well, why do I have to search scripture and why do I have to look at myself because they're the ones who are wrong? Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? That sounds, I mean, that, it's the me. It's the me. There's, I mean, it's the, the I. There's no, there's no me. There's no I. There's no my in church. If you come into church and you're thinking of how it can better you or how you can... I loved how Brother Jim put it this morning. We're, church is not to attract people. It's to attract the presence of God in worship. That is so true. When he said that this morning, I was like, man, that goes exactly with what I'm trying to say here. Um, uh, but we are, the truth is, is when we come into church, like I said... We are to look at the things that pleases God and not pleases ourselves. And not the things that we prefer um, uh, or make us comfortable, <clears throat> but the things that pleases God. You see, when we do that, we lose the whole meaning of what church is. There are no favorites. There are no sides. There are no uh, me or my's. That, that rhymed. I didn't even think of that. But anyway... <laughs> Because there are no divisions in Christ. As Paul goes on in Scripture, verse 13, it says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for uh, Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that I was baptized in my name. He tells us that the purpose, uh, he tells us for the purpose of the church, it, it's Christ. He asked them, was Paul crucified for you? Or was it uh, in Paul's name that you were baptized? So basically, we can refer that back to 2018 words. Um, uh, was it your thought process that built the church? Was it your wants or your needs that this church is here for? Is it you? Are you the reason that we're here? We can look at that and take that and apply it to what we see here in church, in our, or in our church. Is it us? Is it by our judgment uh, that we're justified? It, can anybody in this room 
Uh, did anybody in this room pay for a single sin? Was it anybody who was good enough to pay for anything, uh, any kind of sin? No. Then why do we ever, why do we ever think that it's, it's us, that the reason we're here? Why do we ever come into this place looking to be entertained or to direct people in the way that we think they should go and dividing us up? Paul tells us in 17 that he was made not to baptize but to preach the Word of God. What Paul was doing here was recognizing his God-given place inside the body of Christ. He was set an example for the church of Corinth. If Paul takes a position inside the church as a servant, then why would we try to take the place of Christ as the head in directing our own wants? Paul was setting an example here. Why do people try to take the recognition of what Christ is doing? Why do we have people who think they can divide the church by what they think is correct? Why do we want to take the place of Christ in the church? When we reach that point of thinking and the, uh, with our ideals and our, uh, what is important and then what God may be leading our church, uh, when, we, when we think that what our idea is more important than where God may be leading us, uh, we have to take a long examining time. We need to look at ourselves. We need to look at what, uh, where we're basing our, our, our theology off of. We need to take a, a look at what we're basing our life off of. Because a thought process of me and me only, or you and you only, divides a church. And that's what Cor- Corinth was dealing with. People that had a preference in the way they liked things. And so they said, well, I'm going to follow this guy, and you can follow that guy. And we were, what they were doing was tearing, tearing each other apart. My third and final stance here, Paul lets God handle this. He lets Scripture uh, destroy their entire uh, self-want. We see here uh, where the idea of self-recognition and self-want uh, comes from as Paul continues <coughs> asking uh, where the wise one is, or where the scribe, or where the, uh, the debater of the generation. He tells us that God has made foolishness out of the world's wisdom. Um, when we seek our own wants and when we seek what makes us comfortable and not what the wisdom of God is, we plan uh, and what, what God's plan is for the church, uh, we are shown to be foolish in the face of God. Because when we look at what our own wants are, we're saying that we're smarter than God. When we say, well, my want is more important than what God has for our church, uh, we're saying that we're more important. We're putting ourselves in the big man's position. We're putting ourselves in the, in the, in the spot where we say, okay, I'm going to dictate what we do. The God of me, like you said this morning, Brother Jim, is a very, very big one. It ta- it's, it's so consuming because we have a world that is telling us, that teaches us constantly to have a carnal mind. But you see, when we, we're called to be the church, and the church is called to be separated, uh, as Christians are supposed to be little Christ, and so once we, when we put off the, the carnal mind, when we put off the, the carnal eyes, when we put off the, the, the flesh, 
and we put on the new man, we, re, we inherit a new thought process. And so that's when the church is built on this new thought process, and we no longer have to dwell in the old process of me. We no longer have to dwell in the old process of being divided. We are now united through Christ. And so that's what the church is for, is to build up the ones who are united. And so that's why it's so important that the church stays together, that there be no division, like Paul said, he said, don't let, there, don't let there be any divisions in you. Be of one mind, be of one judgment. Because this place for Christians is our safe place. This place for you and I and everyone who claims to be a child of God, this is our place where we, where we worship. This is the place where God meets with us through, uh, every week as we come through. And we, we go out and we draw power from, uh, from what we have experienced here, from being with other believers. It's encouragement to be with other believers. It says, do not forsake the gathering gather of saints. It's very important that as a church we stay together and as a church we be together. Because you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ and we have one goal and that is to proclaim the gospel and that is to push it forward forever and ever and until Christ comes back we are to remain one. Guys, I'm going to pray for us real quick. I'm going to have our song leaders come up. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm going to turn it over to Brother Jim. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we just want to thank You, Lord, for uh, God, these Scriptures we get to search, Father. We get to, uh, we get to look at, God, we get to look at how Paul handles a problem in Corinth, Father. God, I thank You for uh, just the good judgment, God, that Paul had as he, uh, as he came to Corinth, Father. God, I pray that as we may face any division in our church, God, I pray that You will just uh, demolish it, God. Lord, I pray that uh, Your Word will not return void, Father. I pray, God, that there uh, will just be an, a, a pouring out of Your Spirit, Father. God, that we will uh, search, Father, for You as we continue in our, in our day, God, and as we especially come to this church. Father, I pray that this church will be uh, a one united peace, Father, that we will not be divided, God, but that we will be standing as one in You. In Christ's most holy name I pray. Amen. Uh, I do